I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome into Brewcast for Amazing Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. Fun show in store for you here today. I am Luke Giardi, joined as always by Anthony Brewman, Chris Castellani. We're here with you recording on Monday night, headed into Tuesday, and we've got a lot to get to here. Michigan coming off a top 15 win, uh, 10-3 victory over Iowa. That was the old classic uh, Big Ten matchup in that one, but uh, we've got some things to talk about that you know we probably shouldn't be talking about you know we we should be talking about a a victory over a top 15 team Jim Harbaugh winning a big game you know could he win a big game uh that was kind of the question here this season after the Wisconsin game but he won a big game but we're still not talking necessarily about that but before we get into it all guys how are you feeling here today um slightly annoyed not slightly very annoyed that coming off of a game that some people thought that Michigan wouldn't win and they won it, that we're talking about negatives. And we should be talking about negatives because we're not going to um, sugarcoat it. That was a a very nice, I'll stop short of saying masterpiece defensively, but um, you made Nate Stanley look like John O'Corn on Saturday and you lived up to the challenge really physically on both sides of the ball. Um, Offensive lines, defensive line, I thought played much better than they have. Um, so yeah, to me, more positive than negatives, but the negatives that we'll get into, i.e. the offense, the quarterback position, um, no, that's going to determine if this is a seven or eight win football team, or if they're more than that. Um, and, and this late in the season that that's still a concern is for lack of a better word concerning. So, uh, I'm looking forward to the conversation today. 
Yeah, uh, you know, staying kind of on brand, I guess I'm probably a little bit more negative and pessimistic than you guys are. Obviously, a remarkable defensive showing on Saturday. And for all the criticism and, and understandable criticism that we have had for uh, towards Don Brown and his defense's inability to show up in big games, Saturday was a big game. Was it the biggest of games? No, but few are. It was a big game. It was an absolute must-win, a season-saving performance and the defense damn near pitched a perfect game they were remarkable now unfortunately the game itself and how we feel about this team I don't know about you guys but didn't they ultimately the result didn't really move the needle and the uh, issues that are prevalent in this team continue to be prevalent and there are issues that we're going to talk about because it seems as though they get worse every single week, and those offense or those issues being the offense and and the quarterback play. Yeah, so let's get right into it. I have something that I wanted to put out there. I told you guys before the show. It's not really hot takey, I don't think, but it's a different take than most have had. So Jim Harbaugh in his presser, um, he pretty much said. That what what was the exact quote that the offense is close to firing it on all, all cylinders, right? Uh, hitting their stride, close to firing it on all hitting, cylinders. Hitting their okay. So uh, obviously he was mocked for that, and you'd probably say rightfully so. However, I'm here to say that I don't think he's necessarily off base there, and I'll tell you why. I think what he's seeing in practice and what he's seeing in games is ten out of eleven pieces running the offense the way that it's supposed to be run. However, the one part of the offense that isn't running is the only one that can make it go. It's the driver of the car that feels incapacitated right now. And that's, of course, Shea Patterson in the quarterback position. So I think, like, personally, I think what Jim Harbaugh is seeing in practice and in games is that, hey, man, this offense, like, the line is blocking better. Receivers are getting open our quarterback just can't run this offense. The quarterback that we have now cannot run this offense. And they're between a rock and a hard place until Dylan McCaffrey comes back because I think Dylan McCaffrey is going to be the starter if he clears concussion protocol at any point. Like, I kind of see where he's coming from. However, unless Shea Patterson can run that offense, he needs to be the one hitting his stride or else the offense completely falls apart. So I, I like I, I kind of see where he's coming from, but guys, I don't think Shea's the guy. Well, let me say this. You sold that as a hot take. I think that I'm actually impressed with how dead on it I think you are. I think that's exactly it. Because I, mean, I, I really do think, and people continue to kind of pile on Josh Gaddis and um, the offense. Listen, he hasn't done a good enough job. None of them have really done a good enough job. Uh, clearly, they're like 96th in the country in total offense, which is putrid. That's disgusting. But the play calling, like, in that first quarter and when things were, I won't say humming along, but this offense is only going to be as good as the quarterback is. And Shea Patterson, outside of playing Rutgers, which the term I keep using is a traffic cone defense, um, he hasn't been good. And they don't trust him to throw the ball down the field. When you don't trust your quarterback to be able to make his reads and go through his progressions, and uh, and that's not to say you're always going to chuck the ball down the field, but you have to be able to see the field. You have to be able to see when someone's open, you know, in the short, intermediate, and even the deep passing games. There are, there are passes out in the flats that, that he's not seeing right now. Uh, I think there was one to Charbonnet he could have had, you know, watching the game through a second time. 
uh, at one point. So well, the one the one on the interception, he had a man wide open for a first down in the flats. He read it completely wrong and threw an easy pick. Not only read it wrong, but you, he stared it down too. Like he totally telegraphed it. And to me, when we talk about this chicken or the egg uh, discussion about you know who's most to bl- you know who's most to blame right now for the offensive woes, Michigan has a quarterback problem, and, and it's not you know. I think that they can get it turned around because, like you said, they have some very good skill players, maybe the best foursome of wide receivers Michigan's ever had talent-wise. They've got, you know, even with Sean McEwen out, they've got some good tight ends. They've got maybe running backs that don't have home run ability, but guys that I still think are uh, are pretty good players. The missing link right now, and even I did mention the offensive line, an offensive line that's got four all-Big Ten guys on it. And uh, if you want to talk about a group that's starting to hit its stride, like I know – the Iowa performance wasn't perfect and the rushing numbers weren't quite there, but they physically held up well and did move Iowa at times. It's an Iowa front that has that has some NFL talent on it. So when you look at who's hitting their stride, who's coming along, I see I see progression in, in other areas. I'm sure they see it, you know, they we see this team three hours a week on Saturday. They have, you know, maybe 12, 10, 12 hours of practice per week at least, you know. They're seeing a lot more of that. And I see a lot of groups ascending, but I see a quarterback that's stuck in the mud. And it sucks because I, I do think they turned the page on the Shea Patterson era at Wisconsin. They went to Dylan McCaffrey. You know, that wasn't garbage time. I know they were down big, but you know, he was he was put in after after halftime, which to me, that's still those are still meaningful snaps. And until he got knocked out, got his belt rung, and now I think maybe some people even underestimated what the severity of that might be. You know, they're talking about he's seeing doctors and um, doctors back home in Denver, national doctors, Michigan doctors. Like, I don't know when he's going to be back. And even when he comes back, you'd have to think that he's going to need, you know, at least a week or two to kind of get the knock the rust off and be ready to play meaningful snaps. So um, to me, when you look at this quarterback situation right now, Shea Patterson, I mean, he's hit a ceiling. I don't, I don't see him getting better. I don't, and that's um, that's unfortunate because I thought he set a nice foundation last year. I, he wasn't great last year, but I thought he was pretty good. And you thought that this was an offense that would be able to cater to his strengths, be able to use some more of that dual threat ability, be able to kind of wing the ball out, play that backyard style of football a little bit like he did at times at Ole Miss. But you know, Shea Patterson's a senior right now. And he didn't have good games against good teams at Ole Miss. He hasn't really had good games against good teams at, at Michigan. This is what he is. And if if Dylan McCaffrey was healthy, I think he'd be the starter right now. Now, it's not as simple as just going to Joe Milton because Joe Milton is extremely raw, has a ton of tools. But two weeks ago, he was your number three quarterback. So I understand the hesitance to turn the page and go to a guy that was your third stringer a couple of weeks ago. I don't think he's quite ready yet. Um, but with that being said, I mean, if you're going to get quarter or your mistakes and miskeys out of the quarterback position, I'd rather do that with a guy who I know is going to be here next year or be here in the future. The problem with that is I don't see them making that switch now until they've lost another game or two until they're sort of out of the race. So, um, there you, you, Luke, I think you used the term rock in a hard place. That is exactly where things are at right now. Um, and I don't know how it improves until your quarterback play improves. And I'll be frank, I don't think he's capable of improving. Well, I uh, I definitely appreciate that take. I think uh, you laid down a very strong argument. But to me, I and look, Shea Patterson's stock has plummeted. 
and he's been poor. I mean, period. He he just has not been very good. He has regressed substantially this season. Uh, he's skittish in the pocket. He seems completely unconfident when he gets outside of the pocket. He's running for his life. He's been really, really bad. But I think there are still, and do I think this team can reach their goals with Shea Patterson as quarterback? No, I don't. Do I think they can reach them with anybody else? Unfortunately, right now, no, I don't. Um, and I get, I absolutely get what you're saying, Anthony, about if you're going to make those mistakes, make it with a guy who you can, you know, at least build on for the future. That's fine. I just, I don't know if it would make that much of an, of an impact because to me, just my personal opinion, I think there's, there's still, while Shea is to blame for his poor play, there's still issues here beyond him. I don't think the offensive line's been very good. They have, they didn't have a single solid running hole all game on Saturday. Obviously, Iowa's uh, defense has a big reason to do with that. Um, I don't think the running backs are that great. Charbonnet's shown flashes, but I don't think he's completely healthy. I barely remember him getting the ball on on Saturday. You know, True Wilson's all right. Uh, Turner's okay. But besides besides that, I, I, I just think in general, with the exception of a very, very talented wide receiver core, which is criminally, shockingly underused, uh, I just I just don't think in general this offense is very good. And I don't think they have a particularly great play caller right now. Shea is to blame, no doubt. But I think there's more to it than just n- number two's play so far this year. I mean, uh, I, I will disagree with what you said to begin uh, with, with not having a, a running hole because Charbonnet's first three carries went for seven, seven, and six yards, respectively. And then I feel like they kind of abandoned the run early. I kind of understand it. They probably wanted to get Shake going. But as soon as Iowa felt confident that they weren't going to be attacked downfield, they started playing the run and then nothing could be done from that point on. But Michigan started real good on the ground. And if they get anything through the air, again, this is my opinion. I think that opens up a ton. Like this is 2019, man. You gotta, you have to pass to open up the run. Like that's just, that's just how it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think something that this team really misses a guy like Chris Evans right now. And I think that's a little bit overlooked only because we know that he's out for the year, not coming back. And, and who knows if he ever comes back, but they don't have, um, you know, they don't have a back right now that has like game breaking ability. Like I don't think uh, outside of, I think Charbonnet had one during the, uh, the middle Tennessee game, but it was kind of a long run. But other than that, I don't think we, anyone's popped like a no. 15, 20 yard run. Well, hey, have no. you guys, have you guys seen that? Like when I watch all these other teams, like Ohio State, like Penn State, the, these good, real good offenses. Now, I don't know if Charbonnet's got the breakaway speed, but Michigan runs these read options between the tackles more than anything. They're not running any of these stretch zone plays. They, You know, w- when Gattis came in, it was, it was speed and space, make them defend every inch of the field, but Michigan doesn't seem like they're trying to extend plays to the sideline. It's almost like it's the... It's the Harbaugh run concept, you know what I'm saying? But just running it out of the gun, pulling some guards and things like that, but still running between the tackles. I'm not seeing these stretch plays, and especially stretch reads, that really could make this offense start well, humming in the ground. I think part game. of it, too, is that when you run, when they're running things, you know, running the option, these teams don't respect the quarterback as someone that can, A, 
run the football. There's been a few here and there, but or be someone who's going to make the right read. So um, they're just handing the ball off and, and kind of putting their head down and running right into the line of scrimmage. Yeah, you're not you're not getting a lot there. Um, you know, it's funny. You could there are times in the game where you see Zach Charbonnet get, and mind you, like people wanted more carries out of him. He got 13 on Saturday, which I think is, I think that's okay. I think I'm fine with that workload. Um, cause it seems like they're kind of keeping everyone mm-hmm. on a bit of a snap count. Um, but you look and you know, he had, he has those nice few runs to start the game. And then you look down at the stats at the end of the half and he's averaging 3.8, 3.9 yards a pop again. So it's like, they don't, it, it's the run game is kind of an issue right now, but I think you can offset that with the quarterback run game and, and quick passes and, you know, where. Where are the screens? Where are, where's anything that gets the ball in a playmaker's hands and just lets him go make a play? Uh, I, I don't. The play calling hasn't been great, uh, but again, you, I, I really do think this. Look at Shea Patterson's like last five or six games against um, either power power five teams or top top twenty five or fringe top twenty five teams. The stats are ugly, guys. It, it's at this point, it's not just a, hey, we need this guy to flip the switch. At this point, it's this is what this guy is. And I know that, you know, Chris, you kind of have made the comment about, I don't know if it makes it, you know, it, it doesn't improve their status quo or what the outlook might be if you switch quarterbacks. I agree with that. Like, if you switch to Joe Milton, if you were to switch to Joe Milton or Dylan McCaffrey right now, you're probably still a 7-8-9 win football team. That's not the key to getting this turned around and winning a Big Ten title. But if that's your fate with Shea Patterson anyways – I'd rather roll with the guys that are a guy or guys that'll be able to do that and, and benefit for next year. So it's so we're five games in the season already talking about, you know, this team might win seven or eight games and we're talking about next year, which is just so that's just so damn disappointing, but it's the reality of the situation. Right. Which to me, it speaks it speaks much more, and I'm not going to go super into this because this would lead to a much bigger discussion, but it speaks much more about the state of the program than necessarily the this particular team itself. The yeah. fact that you're five and we're still in the midst of a quarterback controversy is, uh, I mean, just it's so disappointing. It's beyond words. Well, I want to I want to take a quick break, but I also want to expand this conversation a little bit uh, for from what both of you guys just said. So we're going to do that next on Brewcast. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. I'm Alex Rodriguez. 
And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we're back in here on Brewcast. Luke Yardy, Chris Castellani, and Anthony Broom taking a look at you know, the the state of the quarterback room, as we'll call it here on this edition of Brewcast. And you guys brought up something. You guys said you don't know how much of a difference it would make, you know, with um, if, if Dylan McCaffrey took over the reins or if Joe Milton took over the reins. I agree with you on Joe Milton. I think what we've seen out of Dylan McCaffrey when he's come in this year, particularly that Wisconsin game, he was the only thing that could get anything going in that game for that offense. And I don't see why. Now, I don't think Michigan, no matter what, I don't think they can beat a team like Ohio State this year. But I don't no. see why. I don't even know if, I'll be honest, I don't even know if like a Clemson right, can beat Ohio right, State. Right, right, right. So that's, it's yeah. just, that's off the table. However, I don't see why Michigan, with the right quarterback, couldn't vault to maybe the second or third best team in the Big Ten, maybe behind Wisconsin or something like that. I mean, I look at what happened in 2016 with USC. They started the wrong quarterback to start the year. They they started Max Brown and he was bad. But then enter Sam Darnold, and all of a sudden USC is winning the winning the Rose Bowl in 2016 when they were god awful to begin the year. I mean, they got the brakes beat off them by Alabama, Stanford, Utah. Enter Sam Darnold, and they go crazy. They win every game the rest of the year. And I'm not saying that's going to be the case with say, or Dylan McCaffrey if he were to start, but I don't see why it can't be something similar. I don't see why Michigan with the right quarterback couldn't beat Notre Dame, couldn't go on the road to beat Penn State. Like I think all that is still there because the offense, I think, has the capability to be explosive, but they can't do it with number two running the show. I would agree with that. I, I do think that, uh, you know, it just seems like I hate this term so much, but it just seems like no, it's Patterson tough. lacks that it factor. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm not even really sure he had it last year, but um, I think the more concerning thing is that yeah. quarterbacks that have had multiple years with Harbaugh, like you think Shea Patterson's really only, only the second time that a returning starter from the year before has come back. Would Wilton Spate started that next year, that those few games before he broke his, I think it was broke his back. Um, he was not good. And then, yeah, he was terrible. And uh, to the point where they pulled him out for, for John O'Corn in that Florida game. It, it's guys are not developing. The lack of quarterback development at Michigan is, is staggering because we were sold a bill of goods that, and I'm really trying to be, you know, stay away from being in sports talk radio garbage fodder take territory, but we were sold a bill of goods that this is a quarterback guru and, and Jim Harbaugh has done way more good with quarterbacks than he has done bad. I mean, Josh Johnson at San Diego talk about Andrew Luck, obviously Andrew Luck's kind of his unicorn, but even once he got to the NFL, like he rebooted and resurrected Alex Smith's career entirely. Um, Colin Kaepernick had, you know, his best few years in the NFL, Jake Rudock, turned into an NFL quarterback. Um, 
you know, from there, it's been a whole lot of nothing. And, and I think the biggest concern is that, you know, I got in like year three, I was tired of seeing the, well, how does in year three, Jim Harbaugh not have a quarterback yet? Because Brandon Peters was a redshirt freshman. Dylan McCaffrey was a true freshman. And the first quarterback that he ever signed at Michigan wound up being a tight end. Who's now in the NFL playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So um, I was willing to give him a pass then. And, um, you know, even to a certain extent, a pass last year, because yeah, you were probably, you were ready to see what his quarterback recruits could do. And then a former five-star guy became available in Shea Patterson. I don't blame them at all for going after him. Um, you, you had to, especially, you know, coming off that season. Uh, yeah, that was the right move. But um, I just don't, like you look at Shea Patterson now, I just don't know what else you need to see. And the fact that, um, like I said, I don't want to play Sherlock Holmes and, and look you know, psychologically into Harbaugh's comments on the offense. But um, if he feels like they're hitting their stride and that he did a good job managing the game, first of all, yeah, Jim Harbaugh thinks Shea Patterson's a game manager now. Like that's, that's kind of where we're at with him. Um, I just, I think they were ready to make that switch. And then like, like what happened at Wisconsin in 2017, Brandon Peters, you lose a promising quarterback on a bullshit hit to the head. So it's like, they, got, they just can't catch a break right now. Um, and I think that that points to, and, and I'll let you guys chime in before I go into this. I think that I do think there is a bit of a recruiting flaw in the way that they've brought in quarterbacks, but I want to hear kind of your guys' thoughts first. Chris, I'll let you. Uh, I mean, I, I, I guess it's, it's hard to really tell because I don't know how you can necessarily look at it. I, I get your point of view but it's hard for me to say that there's a recruiting flaw when they're recruiting big time quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Patterson on, on paper, there was nothing about Shea Patterson that seemed that should have made fans nervous. It was a very, very good move bringing him in. Uh, Milton highly recruited McCaffrey highly recruited. And yet none of these guys are being able to deliver. And it's, it's frustrating. I don't know. It, and this is a term, I feel like this is kind of a running uh, theme throughout this uh, episode here, is uh, stuck between a rock and a hard place because they're recruiting fine. You want to believe that Harbaugh's the guy, but yet none of these guys have developed into anything. And it's 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 just uh, frustrating. I don't really have much. I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to say that the jury is still very much out on Dylan McCaffrey. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that. Sure. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to... I'm not going to yeah. label him as anything well, yet. And here... I'm not, and this is where I want to make it clear. I'm not saying any no, of the quarterbacks they have I think, are bust, I think, the, I think the, Anthony, I think your point about it's almost a regression of returning starting quarterbacks. We have two examples in Wilton Spate and Shea Patterson, and both have regressed when they've come back. Now, I will say, I, I wonder. Also, to be fair, I just thought of this too. Like when those guys came back, when, that was. There was it was a new it was yes. a new offensive coordinator. It went from Jetfish to Pep Hamilton. It went from Pep Hamilton yes. to Josh Gaddis. So th- we have to we have to throw that in there as well because every time they get a returning quarterback, they're switching offenses. So I I don't know, man. I, I don't really know what to make of it. Um, but it is the constant sure. there though is Jim Harbaugh, right? And he's the guy who's probably leading the charge with coaching these quarterbacks and I feel like they shouldn't regress that much even in a new offense but at the end of the day man 
maybe Shea Patterson was just never because I, I know what people said about like when he got into SEC play, his numbers were terrible. Like, and I never read too much into that, and I don't want to now. Almost like revisionist history, but at the same time, like maybe he just can't read the defenses in one of these type offenses. Maybe he legit was just better in that old traditional pro style offense. Well, here's the thing about the offense, and then I'll I'll go into sort of explaining the the flaw. It's not even a flaw. It, it might just be more. Again, one of those rock-in-a-hard-place type things as it pertains to what their situation is right now. Michigan's offense last year was was pretty efficient, and they executed what they did very well. I think what we wanted to see more of was more tempo and a little bit more of aggressive play. Uh, you know, throw for a third down, or throw for throw on first and second down here and there. Use the guys you have. Speed, up, speed things up a little bit. Um, instead of that, they scrapped it and are going full, like, I kid you not, like Urban Meyer style, Ohio State spread football. So yeah, the offense right now is totally new. And you see the, you're seeing that at every level. The offensive line is still adjusting to that. The, um, wide receivers, like there was a play on Saturday, Nico Collins runs a route that, um, you know, needed to be run two yards deeper. He ran it short of the sticks and Michigan, uh, had yeah. to settle for a field goal, um, those little execution type things come with repetition. And, you know, these are juniors and seniors out there who have been repping a particular offense for, you know, two or three years now that they had to just totally scrap that and do something different. Um, so that's where I think the change in the offense to a certain extent, and mind you, like we all, we all clamored for this. We wanted to see them use the playmakers they have. And, and maybe that was more of just a philosophy thing, but um, it, it's kind of, the undoing of sort somewhat of the Jim Harbaugh era now. And that's not to say that he's on the, you know, he's on his way out, but it's quite, it's sort of humorous in a sick joker type of way that um, modernizing the offense might be what get like what ends him at Michigan or comes close to it. So I want to explain my thoughts on the quarterback recruiting really quick. And that's, I don't know if it's a flaw that I'll call it, but they recruit, Guys, and I'll just go through the rankings here really quick. Brandon Peters, 2016. He was the 61st player nationally. He was the sixth pro-style quarterback in the nation. Bill McCaffrey, 123rd player nationally, fifth-ranked pro-style quarterback in the nation. Joe Milton, 204th-ranked player nationally, ninth-rated pro-star quarterback. And then Kate McNamara, uh, let me pull him, 268th quarter, uh, player nationally, seventh-ranked pro-style quarterback. So this is what I see. And I don't, I'm not dogging at any of these guys at all, but what they are recruiting right now for tools, uh, their, their hope is that we're going to bring these guys in. We're going to coach them up. And in three or four years, they're going to be in, they'll be in the NFL here or from here or transfer somewhere and develop. Um, Joe Milton's not ready to play yet. I don't think that Dylan McCaffrey is as refined a passer um, as they'd like him to be yet. The problem with Michigan's quarterback situation is that they don't recruit guys that are ready to play right away. And when injuries happen, um, even just, you know, quarterback battles, like look how many freshman quarterbacks across the nation are starting this year. And they're not even necessarily like that highly ranked. I mean, um, you know, it's an extreme example, but you've got a guy down at, you know, you've got a guy running the spread down at Auburn and Bo Nix. You've got guys that, um, 
you know, Alabama's one thing, but you know, they got all the way to the national title game with Jalen Hurts. He plays like crap in one game and they go to Tua and he's ready to play as a freshman. They have not recruited instant impact guys or guys that can just play football. Sometimes you just need a guy that's going to be a good college quarterback. Um, and you can't necessarily worry about, hey, three years from now, we think he's going to be an NFL caliber guy. Um, you know, Joe Milton's footwork was a little sloppy. His accuracy needed work. Dylan McCaffrey is more of an athlete than he is a quarterback, but they think there's talent there. Um, the reason that they've had to bring in, I won't even say that they've had to bring in transfers because um, you brought in Jake Rudock because your quarterback room was a disaster under Brady Hoke. You brought in John O'Corn just as a guy to come in and compete. Um, but Shea Patterson was the guy who was brought in to kind of raise the ceiling of the quarterback room. And, um, and you're seeing why maybe that I'm not even hating on Shea Patterson, just why that may have been flawed thinking because you needed to get like those guys need reps to be ready to play. And none of them have gotten enough meaningful reps to be ready to play. So in my brain, that's what I see the issue as right now. The quarterbacks they're recruiting need two or three years before they see the field. And that's, that's not how the college game works now, especially when you're running this type of offense. But why is it like that at Michigan and not at other schools? Like, is, are they just not recruiting well enough? Cause these guys seem to be the highly touted players coming out of high school. Yeah. I mean, they're four star guys, but they're not like, um, you know, in back-to-back years and really you know, just look at the quarterbacks that Georgia's recruited in the last few years. Right. You had Jacob E. He transfers out, goes to Washington. Jake Fromm, Justin Fields. I believe at one point they were all in the same. Um, maybe they were all in the same quarterback mm-hmm. room at one point, but those are three like five-star caliber guys that are ready to play. Um, Michigan is just because Jim Harbaugh, and I'm not going to take this away from him, like a lot. Like I still think he has a reputation that precedes him as having the Midas touch with the quarterbacks. But um, in in this day and age of college football. Sometimes you need guys to just come in and be ready to play. And when you recruit guys that have never, that need work on reading defenses and, and aren't accurate and maybe are just more, have more of the athletic gifts. Um, I don't know if I call that a flaw, but I just see that as the reason why Michigan today, as we record October 7th is in this situation. 100%. And I final thought on this one. I agree with you because you go look at it. Bo Nix, you brought him up number one dual threat quarterback in the country, five-star number 11 nationally, you know, like Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence were, but what were they one and two or something like that? That year is something crazy when they came out in 2018. I mean, yeah. Yes. yeah and they're one that, and two. It's far away, but in 2021, you have a five-star guy coming in and JJ McCarthy, who's right, right now right. 17th ranked player nationally. He might be, he might, he might be ready to go right maybe away. He is like, maybe he might be that guy. You know? I don't know. Um, let me go back. Oh, I guess I want to hear some of your thoughts. I have one more thing to, to add, but go ahead. Well, I mean, I, I just, I agree wholeheartedly. Like they, they haven't brought in the caliber of guy. You, you're exactly right in the sense that they're building the quarterback for the future. So, cause I don't think Jim Harbaugh thought he was going to hand off the reins of the offense. You know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure he had a vision of what his offense was going to be and the quarterbacks that he was going to bring in and build. Now things have changed kind of on a dime almost. And now, you know, JJ McCarthy is going to be able to run this offense. I I would imagine, but now you have to reprogram the guys that have been in the quarterback room. 
You know, Dylan McCaffrey, this is the third year Dylan McCaffrey's been in Ann Arbor. Each of the last two years, you've been programming a guy who's ran a hell of a lot in his high school career to be a pro-style offensive player. Now he's got to revert back to this new offense. And, like, that's not necessarily an excuse. That's just the reality of the situation. Yeah. And and my final thought was, you look at the 2020 class, and mind you, I don't think I don't think they needed to take a quarterback in 2020 because, yeah, you have – you're going to have kind of a three-horse race that is – Milton McCaffrey, McNamara, assuming they're all, you know, they all stick around, which I think they will. Um, JD Johnson comes in next year and he's a three-star prospect and like the 18th ranked pro style quarterback. Um, so I, I think that when you're looking for that, that instant, it, who could be that instant impact type of guy, it might just be waiting two years for McCarthy. Now, I don't know who, what this program will look like in two years Russell around and, Depending on how these next two seasons go, I, I don't know. I don't know what Jim Harbaugh's future is either. But as of right now, um, you know, when you look to the future in terms of how they might um, approach quarterback recruiting, you know, at least what you see a couple of years from now, like that's it's a guy there might be to build around. But then again, we had a guy at one point, Shane, uh, Shane Morris was a five star that we thought Michigan would be able to build around, and, and we saw how that worked out. So. Recruiting doesn't mean anything uh, in the grand scheme of things, but um, I think when I look at Michigan's quarterback position and why why nobody's ready to supplant Shea Patterson right now is because the guy that's available currently is not ready yet, and the guy who probably had the best chance to do it, um, who knows if when we see him. So that's just kind of how I feel about that whole situation. And um, I don't know, unless Joe Mil- Milton takes – major steps or the bottom completely falls out of, of Shea Patterson, which I guess is in play, but um, you know, who knows some of the egregious mistakes, like the fumbles have been dialed back. I don't, uh, I think you'll see Shea Patterson play a full game at Illinois and, you know, until they maybe are up big and then Shea Patterson will probably start at Penn state too. So that's kind of just where they're at right now. Chris, any final thoughts? <laughs> not not really man i mean it's just just hearing all this it's just really frustrating because i i we all i think we all agree mm-hmm. they should be better and even at the beginning of this show kind of talking about that this is you know I, essentially just kind of maybe not you so much luke but what anthony and i are saying is essentially like go ahead and put in the backup if you want because at this like really what's the point <laughs> i mean and that's that's just remarkably disappointing for a team that had such high expectations. All right, I'll let you guys uh, let us know where we can find you on the socials. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Obviously, follow the website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You know where to find us, Mason Brew. Um, getting the Instagram page rolling. Mason Brew Podcast, continue to roll along. Uh, I think you have a couple days off from me now. so uh, But you can find us wherever you get your shows, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, all those great places. So we ask that you su- subscribe, uh, interact with us, and uh, leave leave a good review, please. It, it helps us out big time. So uh, we'd love to hear more of your feedback moving forward. Yep. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. Content coming like crazy uh, this last week. We've got uh, tons of postseason baseball recaps. We got Lions recaps. We got Michigan recaps. We got the occasional movie review. 
So please follow me on there. There you'll find the link to my uh, YouTube page as well. You can click on the link. It's in my bio. If you want to see me on Snapchat, I don't post there a ton, but if you just want to send me a kind message, my Snapchat handle is the same as my Twitter. And if you want to see me on Instagram, that's ChrisCastle95. That's C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-T-L-E-9-5. Please follow me on all You can find me on Twitter, at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Make sure to follow the Brewcast Show page at Brewcast Show. And like Anthony said, uh, please subscribe and leave reviews. And big thank you uh, to making Amazing Brew the top college podcast podcast. site on SB Nation in the month of September, the most listened to. We appreciate all the support that you give us, and uh, we hope you stay with us throughout the football basketball seasons and uh, throughout the year. Coming up next, Maze and Brew podcast return tomorrow with Future Brew. And for Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani, I'm Luke Yardy. We'll see you, you next everyone. week on Brewcast.